Amen. That was just good. And uh, I'm just glad to be here. So thank you for letting me be here. We've not fired Alan or anything. He's good. Um, Alan's at Lindsay Lane East today. And uh, Heath Haney, the pastor of uh, Lindsay Lane East, is at the main campus. And so just for for a Sunday, as we're doing the uh, sermon series together, we've uh, just rotated pulpits. And so I've actually... I've never been able to come to North for obvious reasons, as I've been preaching at different places in Lindsay Lane. And so, um, but but I, w- I want to tell you uh, from my heart to to you guys for whatever it's worth, I love Alan and Rebecca. They are awesome, and your staff here is awesome. Alan and I, I know Will because I get to see them every week. But they grind every week for y'all, man. They they really do care about this community, and they care about you. And uh, and I'm proud to serve with them. And so. Um, it's, it's an honor for me to be able to, to be here because I got to come during a work day before all this looks like it does, and it looks awesome, by the way. Uh, but then I also was on, kind of on the front end of when um, they, they actually made the purchase and were going through all of this. And uh, so it was, uh, it's just an honor to be here to see what God has done in, in this place at this time. Uh, I shared with the first service, y'all, I'm not kidding, years and years ago, we prayed that God would give us an opportunity in Elkmont. Our lead staff specifically prayed for, for a years that God would give us a shot here. And uh, we all felt that, that we're, there was a needed presence of God's church here. And so, and he did. Amen. And uh, I'm so glad that you're a part of it. If you're first time guest today, come back. They do this every Sunday. Amen. And I uh, hope, that, hope that you'll come back because this is an awesome church with awesome leadership. And uh, we are, we're just so glad to have you. So Second um, Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7 is where we're going to be. You can turn there. Um, I, tried to, I tried to spell Alan's name correctly last service to prove that I knew him well and I misspelled it. So uh, O-S-T-R-Z-Y-C-K-I is how it is, but I, I missed it the first time. But, uh, but anyway, that's, uh, that's neither here nor there. 2 Samuel chapter 7 is, is where we're going to be. And, and growing up, when I was growing up in church, sometimes the pastor would get up and he would read like a long passage of scripture and you'd be like, oh my word, that is so long we just keep reading. And that's what we're going to do right now. So um, I want to go ahead and read that. I want to read the passage of Scripture to you. So focus in as this is the Davidic covenant today, God's promise, agreement, partnership with David as he's working uh, to bless his people and working for the nation. So uh, this is Second Samuel, cha- uh, Samuel chapter 7. We're going to read verses 8 through 16. Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I love this part right here. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. You are not insignificant. Amen. Verse 9. I have been with you wherever you have gone and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth. And I will provide a homeland for my people Israel planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they've done in the past. Starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, And I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name. And I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. And if he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod 
like any father would do. That's speaking of Solomon because look at the verse, next verse. But my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. As God is making a covenant through David. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you make all this plain today. Spirit of God, that you would guide us into all truth, that we leave with encouragement or challenge or conviction. Or God, maybe that we would not leave before we respond to what you are doing in our life. We thank you, O God, for your word and pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak to us clearly today in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you a context for kings. It's it's in your bulletin if you like uh, outlines, a context for kings. Because what we're going to look at is the Davidic covenant, King David of Israel, and how God made an agreement, how God made a partnership through David to build on the covenant promises he's already made with Abraham and Moses. But the truth is, is that while God knew that Israel would have kings, they never needed one to begin with. God had seen Israel out of Egypt and was taking care of them, moved them to the promised land. God's presence was going with them, and that wasn't enough. They needed more. God had had given himself to them, was traveling in the tent of tabernacle, right? The tent of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. He was going with them, but that wasn't enough. The nation of Israel would wander and waver, and every time tension came from the inside or the outside, they wanted to fix it themselves. Or they wanted to call a guy that they knew to fix it for them. Instead, Instead of having the one true God leading them and guiding them through this life. Specifically, they wanted an earthly king. And the Bible says they wanted an earthly king so that they would be like everybody else. That's what the Bible says. You know that's a bad start when you're God's people and you want to be like everybody else. But that's what they wanted. And so Israel was to be identified as the people of God through whom the world would be blessed. But instead of seeking the Lord who was with them and calling on his name, they called for a man to be their leader when God was in their midst. Now some of us can identify with that. Some of us already heard that this morning and may already convict you that you got things going on in your life and you're automatically reaching out to someone above God or outside of God to fix what you got going on and nobody's going to be able to touch it except for the Lord God himself. If you have a right and real relationship with God, do you know that God will help you? Like he's real, amen? God, God is real and will help. God told the people in Israel in 1 Samuel chapter 8, if you look there, God told them, if you get a king, an earthly king, you'll beg for relief from him. You will not want him to be over you when I am over you. And the reason God told them that is because in 1 Samuel chapter 8, repeatedly God told them, he will take from you. He will take from you. Again, a king on this earth is a man. And in a man is darkness. Y'all get to know me. Hang around a lot. I'll, I'll be annoying to you in a minute. Right? You're going to see negative things about me. God's called me to pastor and I'm, I'm living by his power over sin. Amen. But still, I'm a flawed person. I am not worthy to be anybody's king or master. Only God Almighty is worthy to do that. That's why God told his people, if you get a king, that king, because he is a person, will take from you. And the best people that Israel had still had sin, which is why God should have been enough to begin with. Not too long ago, we had a plumbing, a plumbing problem in our house where the tension was rising and so was the water. Like, that's where, the, where it was. And, and one night this was happening where, where water is, is coming into our house and, and we've got a problem and, and as I'm thinking to myself, it's 
something's got to be done. So really, I've got a few options, right? I can fix it myself, and for those who know me well, I, I can't fix anything. You can give me a YouTube clip or whatever. Whatever it takes the normal man an hour to do it takes me five. Like, I had a guy tell me one time, said, man, if you couldn't talk, I don't know what you'd do. And that's the truth. So, so I, I knew that was out. I couldn't fix it, and if I tried to fix it, it would be terrible. Second thing we can do is, is what we tend to do, which is I know a guy. I'm going to call a guy, right? Or I'm going to call someone that can only come in and provide a, a temporary fix with a Band-Aid on it. And if I do that at this time of the night, they're going to come in not providing a solution for long term, but they're going to come in and put a Band-Aid and they're going to charge me an arm and a leg for it. That's what's going to happen. So that was the second option I had, was to look outside of who I do not know to come in and fix something that I can't fix. But the third thing I decided to do and that I could do is I have a relationship with a master plumber. And with that relationship, if I waited to the morning and gave him a call, he would come and he would not put a Band-Aid on it, but he would do the work at a cost I could afford and provide a solution. And thank God that's what we decided to do. But see, this is what happens when there's tension in our life. When there's tension in our life, we either will try to fix it ourselves. Guys, this, guys, this is what we do. Men, we have problems going on in our life and somebody want to try to help and we'll say something like this, no, I got it. Just me and God got it. You know what me and God means? I don't want you to know about what's going on. It's just, just me and God, which really means it's just me. That's what so we try to fix it ourselves. There's a way that seems right unto man and in the end it leads to death. That's what happens when we try to tackle things ourselves when we're made for relationship. Second thing we can do is we can try to find somebody to speak into this tension and help us to feel better even though that's not going to solve the problem. We can get a reel on Instagram or a YouTube clip or something on social media that, oh my goodness, have you heard this song? Have you seen this quote? And that makes you feel good for about five seconds but it's not going to provide a solution for you. When God Almighty is available to you, especially if you are his and he is yours. But this is what we do when we have tension. We do the same thing. And this is what Israel did. Israel had tension. There were people around them. And God, listen, this is the thing we need to know if you have a right relationship with God. God involves himself with creation. This is a characteristic of God. God is good and he gets involved. He does not sit off in a distance just going, y'all figure it out. This is a characteristic of God, that he involves himself. And while he does not exist simply to deal with your tension, he will deal with your tension because it glorifies himself. And for our good, it benefits us. The scripture says that God is our refuge and he's our strength. He's always ready to help in times of trouble. When we've turned from ourselves, turned to God, we have a relationship with God, y'all, God will help. He will help. This morning, I walked from my car right up here, and I began to think over the message that Sunday morning is just all over me, and I'm ready to just pour it out. And I begin to think about every time in my life and every chapter when I've known the Lord Jesus Christ, and we'd have things go on in our life, and every single time God made a way. Every single time. I will speak to the faithfulness of God this morning because there's been times in my life when it seemed like there was no way, and God made a way. That's because God desires to take care of his people. God wants to help. He wants to bless his people. But sometimes, y'all, it's like we're acting like he's not even with us. We'd rather have somebody else. Because our feelings, we live so within them, we've got to have something to make us feel better. And then the next day, when we don't feel good again, we've got to have something else to make us feel better. God's trying to provide a solution. He's trying to give peace and foundation in our life. Now, Israel has God, but they'd rather have another solution. And that solution, which turned out to be Saul was really just a quick call for a band-aid. Y'all remember Saul in the Old Testament? Saul was a 
good-looking, tall, king of a man, spoke like a king, talked like a king, walked like a king, ended up being a bust. Because the truth is, Saul got within himself. And God, y'all know this, <clears throat> sometimes when we tell God we know what we're doing, you know what God will do? He'll toss you the keys, see if you can drive it. And we'll drive it right into a ditch. And that's what happened. God gave them a king. He knew he, they were going to ask for one. He gave them one. He told the prophet Samuel, he said, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. And so Saul comes along, and then what? Because God's people are in a covenant with God. Then what? The king doesn't work out. What happens next? Well, if it were not for the grace of God and the plan of God, all would have been lost. But remember the covenants that God was making and the covenant that God would make with Abraham? It was an unconditional covenant. I'm going to see this through because I know you'll be unfaithful. I'm going to take care of it. That is God, the scripture says of God, that God is faithful even when we're unfaithful. Second thing, <clears throat> I want you to see in the scripture a moment of conviction. Because Saul's out and now David's in. And David's not like Saul. Now I want you to know, because we need to see good leadership here. David had problems too, y'all. David was not a perfect man. David messed up, messed up big time. It's all in the scripture as it was revealed in the light. But David was a man after God's own heart. That's what the Bible says about David. And what I want you to see is what a man after God's own heart actually looks like. You look in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Look at verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, when King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest, which will come back up later, but the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan the prophet. And this one word, I want you to catch it because we're going to come back to it. Look, David said, look, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in that tent. David Rest from his enemies, king of God's people, living in a mansion, and God's living in a tiny house. He's living it up. He, he sees this because he looks into his life. He has a moment of conviction. I'm in a palace, and, and in the actual resting presence of God is out there in a tent. And so he says to the prophet, this is what's happening. This, what you see here, is the heart of a man after God's own heart. That he recognizes God's presence and his position, and he needs more of God's presence in his position or over his position. This is what it looks like. And I, what the point is of this moment of conviction is that God acknowledged this in his life. God knew his heart, and God knew that David wanted better for God in his life. Look at the, You don't have to look there. I'll read it to you because it'll take your turn. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 17 through 18, this is Solomon, David's son, talking now. And he said, as he's building the temple... My father, David, wanted to build this temple to honor the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord told him, you wanted to build the temple to honor my name. Then look at what the scripture says. Your intention is good, but you are not the one to do it. One of your own sons will build the temple to honor me. See, David, even though David wanted to honor the presence of God and build the temple, it was not God's timing for David, and David was not to be the man to build it. But did you see that God saw his heart? God made a covenant with David because David's heart was to honor God. David wanted to build the temple because he wanted to honor the presence of God. And God saw that. Would it help you to know today that God knows your motives? Let me ask it in another way. Would it convict you to know that God knows your motives? Because most of the time when we think about God knowing what's in our mind and heart, we go straight to conviction and not encouragement. God knows exactly what you're thinking about right now. 
I, I remember my grandmother's Bible. My grandmother's Bible, she, she had, of course, she passed away, and, and we're getting all her things. I got her Bible. I'm looking in the back of her Bible. She's got notes all over it, right? Notes all over it. She'd underlined. She's made notes of sermons and things like that. And then I turned to the back cover. When I opened that back cover, I noticed that she had a grocery list on that back cover of that Bible because apparently the pastor must have been off that day or something. But she had made a, made a list, and I, I got to laughing when I saw that. But, y'all, some of us, we're coming here on Sunday morning. We ain't heard a word yet because we're already thinking about the week that's to come. There ain't anything yet. Never, we, didn't pretend, we didn't sing a song, no, to work. We sang, but we weren't worshiping because our mind and heart's not there. God knows if your heart's with us or not. He knows if, if, if the motives of our heart are to lift him high or for us to get help today. He, he knows if we're just checking the box and I'm here because she wanted me to come today. He knows those things. God knows your motives. And so let that be an encouragement to you as you are dealing with people. But also let it be a challenge to you because God knows exactly what you're going through. How did David arrive at this moment of conviction? Clarity in his own life. This is why I said we're going to look back at this. It's real simple how David arrived at this place. He looked. That's what the Bible says. He told the prophet, he said, look. I am in here and God is out there. So David had looked and seen what his position was. And then he saw where the presence of God was and it didn't line up. Because God's supposed to be up here and he's supposed to be down here. David is saying, I should be in that tent and God's presence should be in this cedar palace. That's where it's supposed to be. And so this moment of conviction came. But the reason he saw it was because he saw it. The reason that he saw that there was a discrepancy in what should be is because he took a look. The other night, my son's practicing basketball. We're at basketball practice, and, and they're running up and down. They're scrimmaging. And, and they're on a fast break, and, and the, there's a kid underneath the goal, and he is waving his arms up like this, underneath the goal, just like nobody around him. And he's like, hey, whoo, you know, nothing. You know, he's... he's we try to tell them to stop doing that because they'll do that from the time they're one and they'll be like, give me the ball. But this time, for real, he was like underneath the goal and nobody was there. And the guy with the ball never saw him. Do you know why he never saw him? Because the ball was his, his eyes were down, he was looking at the ball which was in his possession and he never looked up. You've got to look outside yourself. Sometimes I really believe that in our life, in my life, I've got my nose to the grindstone and I'm getting after it. But I hadn't seen where his presence is and God's going, hey man, I'm over here. This is where I am. That's where you are. But we'll never, ever see that day to day if we don't look up. Well, how do we look up? Being here is a good start. It's a good start. You needed to get in a group. I know Alan and Will, I know these guys always say you needed to get in a group so you can look together. So you can find accountability. Sometimes you'll sit in a group and realize the rest of the people are worse off than you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah, you're right. It's true. But seriously, you need to look together. You need to go from a road to a circle and, and let the Spirit of God move, in the, move amongst you and, and, and reveal what's actually going on in your life and in other lives. You, you, you need to study the Bible daily. These are good ways to look. You've got to get your eyes up and see where God is and where you, know, where you are. And God knows if we're out of order. He knows if we are. But He also knows if you have a true desire to honor Him. God knows your heart. If you're trying to do best by the people you work with, if you're trying your best to reach someone for the glory of God, 
If you're trying your best to restore relationships or work hard, God knows your heart, so let that be known. But at some point, our desires, if we're thinking about if God knows if we desire to honor him, at some point, though, y'all, our desires have to become disciplines for there to be new outcomes. We can't just say we want to, God. I did that all through college. Can somebody say amen to that? God, it's my desire to honor you, but Saturday night's mine. Like, that don't, that don't fit. And so at some point, our desires have to become our discipline so that there will be different outcomes. And the moment of conviction leads to something else besides just conviction that we drag in here every Sunday and every Wednesday or whenever we meet. F.B. Meyer said that always do better for the cause of God rather than for the cause of yourself. You know, this is not the only time in the scripture when, when this happened. In the book of Haggai, in chapter 1, verse 7, which again, I told the last, the last service, like, I don't know if I'm pronouncing Haggai right or not, but you don't either, so we're all good, right? Like, we're not sure. But in Haggai, chapter 1, verse 7, this is where the people of God, now the temple that has been built by Solomon, has been knocked down. The people are exiled. They're coming back to rebuild the temple. And all of a sudden, as they're supposed to be rebuilding the temple for the presence of God, everybody's building houses. Everybody's building their own houses. And God tells them, hey, that's great. Y'all building your own houses while the ark of my presence is over here laying aside. Listen to the scripture in Haggai chapter 1 verse 7. When the temple that had been, that had been was not to be rebuilt, or when the temple that had been was not to be rebuilt, and the prophet said to God's people, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Look. Now go into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. And then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Now, all of this, as David has this moment of conviction that truly he is prepared to take steps towards in building a temple for God. Out of David's desire to build a temple for God Almighty, God is going to establish and build upon the other covenants with another covenant. He's going to make an agreement, a partnership with David. This is happening out of God's or David's desire for God. And so what God is going to do in this covenant, in this promise, is he is going to restore what creation lost from Adam and Eve and their decision to sin. And then God is going to build upon what has already been accomplished through Abraham and through Moses. And then God is going to provide a ruler, a ruler from Israel for Israel that would restore and bring back order to Israel and for the world. This is the covenant that God is making with the king to establish his rule. Now, all these covenants that we've been looking at in the past few weeks, all of these covenants involve God blessing his people to work for a bigger picture. I want you to see that. God is blessing his people but he's working for a bigger picture. Let's talk about the bigger picture for just a moment. Now, I want you to understand, people of Elkmont or wherever you are from, I heard, I heard Minor Hill and Legtown, that's places I know because I'm from Clements. So I'm, I'm not too far from here. I had a guy clap in the last service, which, you know, a lot of people don't clap for Clements, and I get it, but still. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm thinking about bigger picture, and I think about where we are and where we live. We live in this community. We live in this state. We live in this nation. Obviously, we're in the world, but you, you've got to understand something in 2021, and I believe this is straight from the Word of God. Sometimes it's not easy for us to hear during this current year. God is not working for a country. 
He is cultivating a kingdom. Now, you may not like that, but you read the Bible and tell me what you come up with. God is not working for a country. He is cultivating a kingdom. Did y'all know that there are other nations that worship the Lord of God Almighty? That, that seek the living God? They, too, are seeking to be blessed by God and do right by God. I, I've been to Zambia. You, you read some of the literature on their road signs and, and uh, billboards. You're going to see more about the Lord God Almighty than you'll see here. Sometimes in America, we think we're the only one God's trying to bless. God is for the nations. He's working on something bigger than just the good old U.S. of A. And I love the United States, too. I don't ever, ever want us to lose a war. And every time the Olympics on, I don't want anybody else to win a gold medal ever. <laughs> But listen, God is not working on a country. He is cultivating a kingdom. This is the bigger picture that's happening. That God through Israel was going to be a blessing to the world. Through David and establishing a kingdom line, he's going to establish his rule. Because in a kingdom, there's a king. And when there's a king, he rules over everything. This is what God is working on. Remember last week when God told Moses what was going to become of Israel? He told them, my people will be a kingdom of priests. A kingdom of priests, which means you're going to be a people that mediate between me and God, and me, or you, the rest of the world and me. You're going to be a people that point other people to me. You're going to be a kingdom of priests. And he said, you're going to be my holy nation. That's what God is working on. Remember when Jesus started his ministry? Repent of your sins and turn to God for what? For the kingdom of heaven is near. That's what God is working on. He's cultivating a kingdom. And the will of God, as we're speaking about a kingdom, the will of God is not just to save you. The will of God is to rule over you so that you reflect his glory. The will of God is not just to save the church, but the will of God is for him to be king over our life so that we do what he says to reflect what is his will. This is what God is working on. So through the line of David, the kingdom of God is now, and it is still yet to come through Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords. Church, sometimes we want enough of Jesus to be our salvation, but not so much that he changes the way that we live. Are you hearing me? We want enough of Jesus, just enough of Jesus to make sure that we're saved. But that lordship part means we've got to change what we're doing. That means we've got to act right according to what God says. See, but Jesus came to do both. Y'all know this scripture if you've been in the church. Whosoever calls upon the name of the blank shall be saved. It's not Savior, is it? It's Lord, Master. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that means? When you call out for salvation, you want to be saved, but you're willing for him to take you over. This is what he wants to do. He wants to rule within his kingdom. That's the bigger picture because that's what the world needs. Lord God Almighty, we need a godly king. We need Jesus to be king of kings and Lord of lords. We don't need government elected leaders. I'm just here to tell you what was happening in Israel is they had God and wanted somebody else. And God was enough. Church, God is enough. Don't wrap up your Christianity in any other thing. God is enough to lead us. Don't misunderstand me. I'm all for voting. I know we need good, godly people in office. But that's not the answer. It's not the answer to cure people's hearts. There's never been an elected leader ever that'll work on a man's heart. That's what God does. That's why he's working on a kingdom in which he will rule. Now let's talk about blessing. 
As y'all can tell, I get real passionate about that one. Let's talk about blessing. David, through you, I'll do this for my glory and your good. To David, God promised a famous name, a place of rest, and a forever reign. That's what's in the scripture that we read on the front. David, I'm going to give you a famous name, a place of rest, and a forever reign. Have y'all noticed that every promise that God has made to his people has been for their good? All of them. To Abraham, look in the stars in the sky, man. Y'all don't have children right now. I'm going to give you so many descendants, it's going to blow your mind. Noah, to Noah, he, what, what was the promise to Noah? Never again will I destroy the earth this way, by water. It's supposed to come a flood tonight, y'all. But it ain't going to get us. <laughs> I mean, if you live low, you need to get a boat or something. But, but it's not going to get us all. And the reason why it's not going to get us all because God said it's not going to happen. That's what God said. It's not going to happen. That was the promise that God made to the world. God, this is the promise that God made to his people. To, to Moses, you'll be my treasured possession. You'll be mine. I'll be yours. You'll be a kingdom of priests. I'm giving you purpose. This is, what, this is what God says. These are his blessings. These are his blessings to people. And now, to David, he says, I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to give you a place of security. There's going to be a forever reign. And so what I'm, I'm trying to communicate is that God is not trying to ruin your good time. And God is not trying to lock you down into a mindless robot. <laughs> you see, the Lord God is a caring parent who loves his children. And he wants the best for you. And even the law that he gave them was for their good. I'm thankful I got a mom and daddy that laid down the law. Anybody hear me? I'm thankful I had a mom and dad that said, you're not going to do this. I remember one time... Uh, it was, I was 17 years old, 17, coming out, I may have been 18, a senior in high school. And I had smarted off to my mama, and she said, oh, that's good. She said, you're not going anywhere tonight. Well, over time, a few hours later, everything calmed down. I went back to her, and I said, Mama, I said, I'm sorry. Is it okay if I go tonight? She looked at me square in the face. She said, what did I say? I said, you said I can't go. She said, well, I guess that's it. <laughs> 38 now, and I'm thankful for it, amen? I'm thankful for it. Because that was a caring parent trying to provide and protect me by their purposes. That's what God does. He's not trying to ruin your life. He's not trying to, to, to take it over and make you mindless. This is God trying to get you to live within freedom of what he's given so to keep you from yourself. Now, let's talk about these blessings real quick. Because the first blessing that, that God said to David was a famous name. I will, the Bible says in verse 9, I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on earth. God made David famous. You know what my son's name is? Davis. Like, David's name's still going. <laughs> it, the, the, the statue. The, every time we speak to a football team, David and Goliath, right? I had a coach tell me one time, he's like, I'm tired of these David and Goliath stories. We're always Goliath, you know? So, so we always, we're always getting that kind of thing. And, and so I was like, well, good, we'll change it up. You ask people that have never been in church about David and Goliath, they know it. The, the name of David would be made famous, but it would be made famous by God. God would make his name famous. Y'all, fame and reputation and popularity, those are not bad things. In fact, they're a powerful tool if they're used correctly, if they're stewarded by God. There are lots of famous people. But David was not famous because he entertained the world. David was famous because he valued what God valued, so God made him famous. Listen, we live in a day and time where everybody's trying to get their name in lights. Usually through Instagram reels or through 
social media, YouTube. We're trying to get ourselves in front of folks. You know, a lot of times, older folks, we don't care about that anymore because we're done with all that. But, like, <laughs> but seriously, it's teenagers, students, college kids, we're trying to be seen, noticed, or whatever. We need that attention. Listen, if God wants to make you an influencer, he'll make you an influencer. That way you can do it for his glory, not your own, because yours will run out. Let God make you famous if he wants to do that. But seek the will of God above all else instead of trying to make yourself something in a world that it will be lost very quickly. God promised to make David famous. And do you know why? It's because David knew what to do with it. That's why. It's because David's name, being famous, would be attached to the Lord God Almighty. When, when God told David that he was going to make him famous, if you look a little bit later in verse 26, this is what David's response was when God said, I'm going to make you famous. David said, and may your name be honored forever. You're going to make my name famous? May your name be made famous in me. And, and may your name be honored forever so that everyone will say, the Lord of heaven's armies is God over Israel. And may the house of your servant David continue before you forever. God made his name famous because David knew what to do with it. He would serve God forever with his name. This is why I believe the Lord would let him have this. But again, God is working for his glory, but it's for our good. You know, go out there and make a name for yourself. That ain't in the Bible. Amen? That's not in there. Go out there and, 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 and the scripture even says, you were made for my glory, is what God says. Everything else is just vain glory. Now, the other thing that God would give him, secondly, is a place of rest. Rest is an important word in prophecy because rest refers to God's blessing for people. How many of us think about rest? Somebody, I know we do. I got a house where I've got a 10-year-old son and a 7-year-old daughter. We don't even use the word rest, right? Like retirement's not even our vocabulary. Sometimes we allow ourselves to talk about vacation. This is, this is something, though, that we all desire. I know Sunday afternoons, Sunday is for worship and for what else? Rest, right? So when I go home, if I can get it, I'm going to try to lay my head down and catch a nap on Sunday afternoons. That's what it's for. God knows that we need it. How often do you think about rest? Because this is something that God is trying to give to his people. Think about the scripture in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. What did God do after creation? He rested. His rest set a foundation for the Sabbath for the Old Testament people, right? Then, in Exodus 33 and Deuteronomy chapter 25, once God delivered his people from Egypt, he gave them and promised them in their own land rest, a break from their enemy, a, a, a time where they would have security and protection. And now God, to David, is promising as a blessing the same thing. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 10, a secure place where they will never be disturbed. You know, I read this week that in 2022, the United States meditation market will be worth over $2 billion. $2 billion will be invested in meditation in the United States alone in the next year. I also read that it was reported in January of this year, January of this year, that 8 out of 10 Americans reported feeling emotions of stress specifically related to the future of our nation, the pandemic, and the current political state. 8 out of 10 Americans in January of this year stressed out. In fact, of those 8, I read that the most emotional characteristic was anxiety, worry. Y'all, I had, I had the coronavirus in December. And it will work on you emotionally. 
Seriously, it'll make you worry because every time you turn on a blasted TV, you see something else. Every time you look on your phone, you see something else, and all of a sudden it starts warring in your mind against the Word of God and the Spirit of God. It will work on you. Emotionally, we, we, we have stress in our life, and we want that rest. I've also read that because there's no vaccine for mental health, that in 2021 that we're in, professionals anticipate that, that burnout, isolation, uh, sedentism, which means you don't do anything, you don't give up, you don't move, and even sleep disturbances. Those are all going to be on the rise in the next year because mental health leads to physical health, and it's going to be difficult. We are in a world that is cursed by sin. We need rest, and God is willing to give it. Now, one of the things that the American Psychological Association says that we need to do to combat this is to keep things in perspective. I agree with that. 100% I agree with that. Here's the problem. When your perspective does not have assurances, there's no perspective to be had. Because you know what my perspective is? We all going to die of something. And when I die because of Jesus, I'm going to heaven and spend eternity with him. And I can roll with that the rest of my life. See, my, my perspective has assurances confirmed by the Lord God Almighty. But when you are without those assurances, you're just playing your own game. Your perspective is whatever sounds the best that day. Your perspective is whatever you make it or whatever you read that sounds good. But God is willing to give us rest and he's willing to give us peace now and forever for eternity. See, God wants to give us this break from wandering and waiting and suffering and searching. He wants to give our souls rest. He wants to give you peace of mind. Even when I look back, as I was walking up here, I began to think about the loved ones in my life that we've lost. Some of them that we would say have been on time. Some of them were completely untimely. But God was faithful because they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and God saved them and they're spending eternity with the Lord. See, that's, sometimes we want to hear more than that, but that's what God's working on. God wants to save you and your loved ones so that they can have rest and life eternal, not just have it right now. In this world, you're going to have sorrows. You might as well buckle up. But he has overcome the world, which is why he says, take heart. The assurances that God gives, gives us godly perspectives, which helps us get up in the morning and go on and help somebody else. Amen? Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Philippians 4, 6, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He's done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds, listen to this part, as you live in Christ Jesus. That is how God has made a way for your perfect peace forever. And for now, the Bible says, as you live in Christ Jesus. Now tomorrow, if you wake up and you pick up all your worries, worries and anxieties and you carry them with them all throughout the day, and you go to bed with them and you've, not, you've lived within yourself and not lived within the presence and power of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to feel it. You'll feel anxiety all day long. And I'm not speaking of those things where there are chemical imbalances and they need to be treated with professional help. I'm talking about the everyday worries, stressors that people allow to become bigger problems in their life when God is trying to give you perfect peace now and forever. Now the final blessing, and I'm on the last page and a half, but the final blessing is a forever reign. Well, here's where we really get to the last point of a coming king. A coming king. 
If you read the Bible, whenever you read the Scripture, which hopefully this is not the only day you're going to hear the Word of God, amen? You're going to study it together in a group, and you're going to read it throughout the week in your own. But whenever you read the Bible, you need to look for things that are repeated. Why? Things that are repeated are important. Repetition is for that reason. So when you read in the Scripture like we're about to read in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and look at verse 13, we're going to read verses 16. Watch my fingers and I'll tell you what's repeated. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. It will be his father, and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken with him or not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, forever. And your throne will be secure forever. So apparently God is working on something eternal. That's what God is working on. And forever is based on the keeping of the covenant. In 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 4, stay, stay with me as we finish. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 4, the Bible says, If you do this, this is David speaking to Solomon, his son. If you do this, then the Lord will keep his promise he made to me. He told me, if your descendants live as they should and follow me faithfully with all their heart and soul, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. Do y'all know anything about the nation of Israel in the Old Testament? Because he says in Solomon, if you act right and so do all of other God's people, we'll always have a descendant on the throne. Y'all, if you read the Old Testament, it'll make you feel better about yourself. <laughs> Seriously. You read the Old Testament and you see how they are. Man, we're just a roller coaster of obedience, just like we are. And it will make you feel better, truly. Because what David said to Solomon about keeping that covenant promise was not kept through the nation of Israel, and it wasn't kept by the kings. We, David was a good king, but we saw the sin in his life. Solomon, y'all, if you read the book of, of 1 Kings, 2 Kings, you'll start to question whether or not Solomon's in heaven or not. Straight up. Because it said he abandoned God. The scripture says he, he abandoned God and that he didn't follow God's ways. That's in 1 Kings 11. Still, who made the promise? God made the promise. And God said, I will do these things which means even though you can't get it right and will be unfaithful, I will see it through. I'll see it through. And so God's promise of a forever reign was kept because of God's faithfulness. Can somebody that's saved say amen because you know this firsthand? Lord God Almighty saved us through the blood of Jesus Christ. I've turned from my sin and turned to God. And ever since then, I've been a perfect picture of obedience. You a lie. <laughs> right? You a lie. That we all know ourselves. Hopefully, God, we're understanding that God has given us power over sin and freedom from the penalty of sin. But we also understand that that sin nature within us is still warring against us. Sometimes we lose. We don't have to. That needs to be a message as well. But sometimes we lose. So the covenant is not based on me and you. It's based on God and God's faithfulness. And God's promise of a forever reign would be kept because of God. Therefore... God had to raise up a descendant of David himself that would be the righteous one to fulfill all these things. Listen to the scripture as we close it down. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. Did you notice he said, I will raise up? I'll raise up a righteous descendant. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. Did you see that again? He will be a king who rules with wisdom, he will do what is just and right throughout the land. And this will be his name. The Lord is our righteousness. In that day, 
Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. Who is he talking about? The Lord Jesus Christ. You know what we're talking about next week? The new covenant. You know who the new covenant is all about? Jesus. You know who we're going to talk about the next week after that? We're going to talk about Jesus again. Y'all, we're just going to talk about Jesus the whole time. Because this is the way that God has made for us to be right with him. This is the way that God has made for us to follow him in obedience for him to rule over us is through King Jesus. David had a good name, and God made his name famous. But y'all know what happened to David? He died. Y'all know what happened to Solomon after him? He was bad, and he died too. Israel, they had a promised land, lost it. Tried to come back, restore it. It's always been up in the air. So it's almost like God was talking to something bigger and better and eternal. Are you with me? God was speaking of Jesus. He was speaking of heaven. This is the big picture. Don't just live like this is all there is because it is not. Because at some time we're going to close our eyes and eternity is going to bust wide open. And it will be one or the other. Depending on whether or not we have received God's way of making us right with himself and him ruling over us. To be in Christ is to be in heaven. To remain within yourself or any other way is to be separated from God in what I believe is a biblical hell. That's the truth of God's word. I remember, if you would, just stand to your feet just for a moment. We're going to close this down. I remember when, when I was a kid, I grew up in a church this size of a building, but y'all are bigger now than they, we ever were then. But it was about this size. And I remember at 11 years old, I'm sitting on the back row back there where the youth sit. Amen. That's all good. We're just glad you're here. Amen. But the students, we used to sit on the back row. And, and I remember a guy stood up and shared the gospel just like I did. And that night, it made sense in my heart and mind. Everything clicked. I didn't walk the aisle. I, I didn't sign a card. I actually went home and I talked to my mother and father I remember my, my dad sitting there and my mama telling me about Jesus. God, this is God's way for you to be saved. This is God's way for you to be right with him forever. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. So, so I go to my bedroom. I close the door. I get on my knees. I don't remember the words of my prayer, but this is what I know. I confess my faith in Jesus Christ because that is God's way of making you right with him and bringing you to him in a right relationship. So, as, as, with every head bowed, eyes closed. Let's take just a moment. Hear, hear from my heart to yours. There's a way to respond today. Right where you are, you can call upon Jesus to save you. God is alive, active, well, and present. Call upon God to save you. Believe in the Lord Jesus and turn from your sin. It's that simple, it's that serious something else you really need to think about something else you really need to consider doing is letting somebody help you with your next steps we have counselors here you, you can come to the altar if you'd like I mean, I'm here but we have counselors here and they're in the back they're on the sides but if you want to make your way to the back door there'll be somebody there that'll be ready to help you take these next steps There's, there's cards here. They're in place for that reason. So that you, if you've made a decision, all you've got to do is just sign that card. Somebody here will get it from you. They'll help you take those next steps. 
you're watching online, our website, you, you can connect with us that way, an online connect card. There's ways that you, you can take these next steps and we can help you. Lord, this is our time to respond, but I pray that it would not end in just a moment, but that we would live in obedience and under your rule forever and ever. And I thank you so much for Lindsay Lane North, and thank you for the people here and the great work that you're doing in this community. This is not for the glory of a name on the sign. This is not for the glory of Lindsay Lane. This is for your work and your glory. This is about you. So God, thank you for what you've done for us and how you've made a way for us. And I pray that this message would bring in our hearts and minds all day long as we think about our next steps, whether they be obedience, baptism, joining this church. If we need to be saved, I pray we'd be honest with ourselves and with you. We ask these things in Jesus' name.